politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And hello, America, and welcome back to the Conservative Review podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz in the house on August 15th, this Thursday, towards the end of the week. And there is so much to talk about, which is why you need to subscribe to our YouTube channel at conservativereview.com. Like our show, subscribe to our channel, because let me tell you, we are going to have some good guests coming up. We were going to have someone today, but we still are flying solo. But you're going to want to see what all our guests look like. Ever wonder, Jason Jones, Todd Benzman, Colonel Dan, all of our mainstays, uh, they will now be appearing through video. So that's something you're going to miss if you only hear this on iTunes. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Now, the reason why I was going to have a guest but canceled the guest is obviously because of last night's incident in Philadelphia, North Philly, where you have this guy with a rap sheet as long as the Bible Injuring six cops could have been a much worse situation. Luckily, most of them are going to survive. The reason why I think this is the biggest story is because this story accentuates every point we have made since the El Paso and Dayton shootings. And the point is that the left wants us to focus on one tiny sliver of violence and criminality in this country. The, the corner of it that's the hardest to redress, that nothing that they are proposing would stop, but they want to cast a wide net on constitutional rights of everyone, while the very same people want to release and never convict and never sentence and lock up the most violent criminals, including violent gun felons. Take the guns away from law-abiding citizens and let the gun felons at a prison. That is what's for dinner on the public policy plate of not just Democrats, but then Republicans are now eating out of their sandbox. Because Democrats say jump, Republicans say how high. Democrats are the sun, Republicans are the moon. They play to their fiddle. And the thing is, what happened in Philly is the poster child for what I'm talking about. And my point is certainly not to compare one event to another, and obviously nobody wound up being killed here. But what went on in Philly last night is a million times more of a pervasive public policy problem than El Paso, and it's much more avoidable, and it's much more rooted in this soul-searching that we need to be doing in Congress and in state legislators and in city councils about letting go known career criminals. As a baseline, we've said this a number of times, said this a number of times. You gotta remember that most homicides in this country, by our count, 99.99% of homicide victims over the last 54 years have been the result of non-mass shootings. Mass shootings account for... Uh, almost 2,000 victims out of over 928,000 homicide victims. The rest are mainly com committed at the hands of people like Maurice Hill, who was arrested last night in, in North Philly for shooting nine, six cops and could have done a lot worse. It's the career criminals 
that we downgrade their charges, we never convict them, they cycle in and out, they don't serve any time, and now increasingly they're serving less and less and less, and both the Democrats and Republicans and some of my own so-called conservative colleagues think we're locking up people too much, we need to be even more lenient. And this is a velocity that's taking place in all 50 states and at a federal level, and I am literally the only man standing at a federal level that I know of that has somewhat of a megaphone that's pushing back against this. And if Republicans would only do what I'm saying, they would have the perfect jujitsu narrative against the left on public safety and guns. Hey, buddy, it's not the object. It's the bad guys. You want to let out the bad guys. And then when it comes to the objects, you want to be weak on it. So again, what happened last night, yesterday afternoon, in in Philly. So I'm going to try to look up here his criminal record because I forgot to print it out. It's too hard to print out. I don't even know how to print out that uh um that just that format format there. But I want you guys to to get a sense of this. It's not that there was anything unique that happened last night in Philly. Sadly, this happens every day in every major city. Now, this exact thing of shooting six cops and the whole way it went down with a standoff and they had to blow up the place, that's why it got publicity. And that's why we need to seize on this. Just like the left seizes on their cases, even when they don't prove their public policy outcomes, we need to seize on it when it absolutely proves our policy outcomes. We absolutely need to do that. So we got lucky in the sense that, I mean, I don't want to say lucky that cops were shot, but because it was cops, there's more publicity. But these type of guys do this type of stuff every day. This is from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hill's history, this is Maurice Hill, the guy they arrested after the standoff, in the adult criminal justice system began in 2001 when he was 18 and was arrested with a gun and had that had an altered serial number. Public records show that he has been arrested about a dozen times since turning 18 and convicted six times on charges that involved illegal possession of guns, drug dealing, and aggravated assault. He has been in and out of prison, the longest sentence handed him in 2010 when a federal judge gave him a 55-month term. That was the longest he served, about four and a half years, but again, that was the sentence. I'm almost positive he barely served it. I don't have the exact numbers. That's another big part of criminal justice reform. Don't just look at the sentencing. How long do they actually serve? So we don't have that information yet. And his record would indicate he doesn't like to go to prison. In 2008, he was convicted of escaping, fleeing from police and resisting arrest. Along the way, he beat criminal charges on everything from kidnapping to attempted murder. So I just saw this on his criminal record. It was, um, it was thrown out. And by the way, this doesn't account for his juvenile record, which is probably expunged or sealed. That's probably yay long. We don't know about that. Hill also spent time in federal prison. He pled guilty to federal firearms violations after he was caught with a Smith & Wesson 357 and later a Taurus P2, PT-45 semi-automatic. Um, his prior felony convictions should have barred him from owning those weapons. More recently, Hill was convicted of perjury in 2013, sentenced to seven years of probation. 
Then he appeared before Common Pleas Court Judge Rayford Means for three different alleged violations of the probation, at least two of them related to a new case, which he later beat. In one of those cases, Philadelphia police arrested Hill in May 2014 after spotting him driving an unregistered scooter. He fled. He wound up crashing into pedestrians and everything and causing a lot of damage. And he was later acquitted on all accounts. This guy is the poster child for everything we have talked about on this program for four years. Everything. Everything I've written about, hundreds of articles on criminal justice and this whole jailbreak criminal justice deform movement. This guy is the poster child. For every one person you could show me that you think is oversentenced for low-level first-time offenses, which usually 90% of those times, there's a lot more to that story they pled down, I could show you a thousand, thousands of people like Maurice Hill. I'm looking here at his record, and I count, they say he was arrested over a dozen times as an adult. Among those dozen arrests, I have over a hundred charges that I'm looking at. Driving the wrong way, careless driving, um, passing when prohibited. I know these sound low, lower level. level um, carrying firearm in a public place where he was prohibited, carrying without a license, false imprisonment, kidnapping, possessing instruments of crime, reckless endangerment, another, another person, robbery, simple assault, theft by receiving stolen property, theft by unlawful taking or disposition, fleeing or attempting to elude officer, driving without a license, marijuana, drug paraphernalia, perjury, false swearing, simple assault, aggravated assault, recklessly endangering another person, terroristic threats with intent to terrorize, murder, that was thrown out later, firearms not to be carried. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. I'm just scrolling through it here. It's just, it's just out of control. More theft, more stuff, all over the place. Remember that guy that was caught throwing water on a NYPD cop that everyone was talking about? He had like 20 arrests, or, or at least 20 charges, including robbery, barely serves time. Here is the story of our criminal justice system, this guy. Typically, they're involved in murder, robbery, assault, all over the place. But because of the 50 million loopholes in the system that we refuse to close, the high capacity career criminal loopholes, the assault criminal loopholes that we refuse to have a national debate over, that defense attorneys and the wretched legal profession has poked holes, transmogrified the concept of due process 50 light years away from what it meant in 1789. It's impossible to land a conviction. So what they typically get them on is gun violations and drug violations and also driving RICO if it's on a federal level, racketeering. That's what they get them on. As a result, most of the time it's probation. And then they're able to violate the probation with 50 arrests and never get sent to jail. The worst things, they have a couple of weeks in jail. The really bad things, maybe they'll serve a few months. And that's it. There's no deterrent. For people like you and I, look, you don't want to go to jail. You don't want to have a criminal record. You want to live a life on the up and up. 
It's a deterrent. You don't want to do this stuff. But for people like this, it's not enough of a deterrent. And it's getting worse and worse. And, and yet, I'm the last conservative in America in Washington standing. Every stupid, phony, conservative and libertarian organization is joining with Soros to say it's not enough. We need to be more lenient, more early release programs, more reduction of sentencing, more probation, more handcuffing the police, more barriers on evidentiary standards and inadmissible evidence to get off on 50 million more technicalities of someone who beyond the shadow of a doubt murdered, maimed, and, and committed robbery against. This is what's going on. How did this all begin? One of the most remarkable trends is as follows. I want you guys to take a look at this graphic my team here put together. I'm going to show you. Showing a crisscross dynamic between the rate of incarceration and the murder rate. Okay? So, the more crime... So basically what happened was we were, weren't locking people up and you had the massive crime wave that started in the 60s and the 70s and into the 80s and Reagan campaigned bitterly on this. It, this was along with the Reagan tax cuts and defeat of the Soviet Union. This was the number three agenda item for Ronald Reagan. And we had these liberal judges who weren't sentencing people. And that's why he came to the need for mandatory minimums. And the understanding was, and Reagan talked about this in his radio addresses all the time, that most of the people who commit drug offenses and drug trafficking are the ones doing all the violent crime. And if we could take them off the street, you would have a massive reduction in violent crime and murder. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Notice throughout the 80s, the you know, incarceration was low, murder was high. Once the Armed Career Criminal Acts and the mandatory minimums and the drug sentencing, it came into effect and the prison population went up, the violent crime plummeted. Violent crime and murder dropped by 70%. No one wants to talk about this. It's still way too high, way too much compared to other developed countries. They always want to say, Daniel, we have more people in prison than other developed countries. Well, we have more violent crime than other countries. We could talk about why, but that's, that's a fact. And then notice the hockey stick. You know, the liberals talk about, oh, the hockey stick model with global warming. Notice that starting in 2014 in the Obama era, it started, the crime went up as the, uh, as the prison population started to plummet again. We've turned the corner. The prison population at a federal level has gone down 20%. State level, about 50%. This is federal prison population, by the way. But it's the same thing for state prison population. It's a perfect correlation. When we weren't locking people up, crime was way high. When it was going down in the 90s and early 2000s, crime was plummeting as prison population went up. You took the bad guys off the streets. Now that it's turning back the other way, crime's going up again. Now, I noted murder. You know why I picked murder? Because murder, you got a dead body. It's the most definitive statistic. The other statistics are, are bullcrap. It's garbage in, garbage out. It's manipulated. You know, the U.S. attorney, uh, McSwain, from uh, Eastern District of Pennsylvania, he was on with Tucker Carlson recently, and he was talking about how in Philadelphia, where this shooting took place, you have this new DA, Soros is running around the country, 
promoting these public defenders, wolves in sheepskin, running, like literally letting the fox in the hen house, running as prosecutors, and they're winning, like the guy won in, in Philly. And the guy was noting there, he said that they're cooking the books. And I know they're doing this in New York too. They're doing this everywhere where they're not reporting so much of the violent crime. So if you do look at the statistics, if you look at the FBI data, it does not show a resurgence over the last few years as the prison population is going down in other categories of violent crime. But it does show it in murder. The only way I have to explain that is you could cook the books on the other stuff. You can't cook it on murder. And I think murder is that's always the most accurate statistic. And that's why I'm using that. So you see the crisscross phenomenon here that I think is, is tremendously, tremendously important. That's the most important data point you guys should know about. And that's the data point no one wants to talk about. Oh, we lock two people up, too many people up. We, we spend too much money. No, we don't. And frankly, part of the problem is even at the height of incarceration, we weren't locking up nearly enough people if we would have a swift system, it would start deterring and you would actually wouldn't have to lock up in the long run as many people because the goal is not to drop the prison population. The goal is to drop the rate of crime. And it's not just violent crime. Property crimes are devastating. They cost 17 billion a year in direct costs, uncompensated to victims. We never talk about that. But they always talk about, oh, Daniel, we need to pass the First Step Act. So all these clowns, Ivanka Trump and Lindsey Graham, who are promoting gun control, locking up the guns, taking away constitutional rights from, from Americans, these very same losers are the ones who pushed last year a bill to downgrade gun and drug felons in federal prison and let them out a third of their sentence early. Let me tell you something, folks like Maurice Hill are the very people that are targeted by federal prosecutors, people that they know are committing murder and mayhem and they're escaping justice in the state system. So the feds come up behind them and what do they hit them on? Federal gun and drug charges. And then these a-holes come in 10 years later like, hey, this guy's serving so many years for nothing but racketeering on drugs and, and gun, stupid gun charges. No, you idiot. That guy's a major gangster committing all the murder in Chicago and Philly and Baltimore and St. Louis and New Orleans, all these places. But that's the tool that they get them on because frankly, thanks to your other stupid criminal justice deformed programs, we can't convict them on anything. We need a national discussion on reforming criminal justice reform. We need a national discussion on jailbreak. We need a national discussion on closing all of the loopholes that allow these people to escape prosecution, that allow these people to escape robust sentencing, that allow them to violate their probation. Instead, Soros is going unanswered. He is flooding a bunch of money. You can imagine most people put their money in governorships, senators, uh, congressional races. If you spend a million dollars on a local DA race, you're going to win. And now they don't say, I'm going to let out murderers. They say, oh, they're stupid, low-level crimes I'm not going to prosecute. And this will make us safer because we'll be able to better prioritize the better stuff. That's how they, they campaign to people. And they're going unanswered because all my colleagues 
from so-called conservatives like Mike Lee in the Senate to the Heritage Foundation as a organization to the White House, Jared and Ivanka getting Trump to flip on this issue. They are helping Soros. Trump thankfully tweeted like, people like this belong in jail. You're right, Mr. Trump, but it's this very person that's going to benefit from your stupid first step back that you keep touting. Trump needs tough love from his base. He needs it today. This is what we need to be discussing. Closing the criminal, the career criminal loopholes. 99% of the murder is from people like Maurice Hill, not the El Paso shooter, not to diminish the severity of that. I have another thing for that. Three weeks later, the guy should have had a trial. He should have been convicted. He should have been publicly hung. Then come back to me if it's not a deterrent, because it will be. I can't stop these people prospectively, but if you do catch them and you give them a swift public hanging within a couple months, it will deter a lot of it. Not all of it. It's not a panacea. Fast track death penalty. We need legislation on that. I'm going to be coming out with a 15-point plan in the coming weeks on a true safety and security agenda to deal with all violence, gun violence, all violence, criminal alien violence. But these are the narratives that to this day, every Republican refuses to talk about. Hey, Pat Toomey, has Pat Toomey said anything? He's pushing the Toomey Mansion gun control bill. He's senator from Pennsylvania. Why aren't you joining with me to close the criminal alien loopholes in places like Philadelphia? Crime is skyrocketing after... Could you imagine we have in our grasp, in our hands, whoops, in our hands here, we got the ultimate victory, the ultimate public policy victory. Two decades worth of miraculous decline in murder and violent crime. It's now being reversed the other way. And I'm telling you, the statistics are not fully picking it up. It's starting to pick it up on murder, but it's, it's beyond belief. In a lot of major metro areas, because of criminal justice reform, there's many facets to criminal justice reform. There's never lock up a juvenile, expunge their records. Everything's probation and you could violate your probation. Downgrade sentencing. Make it impossible for police to gather evidence. Make it impossible to land a conviction. Early release programs. Go after all the police techniques that started to work so well in the 90s. Outlaw them. The court system is killing us on this. Nobody's trying to close these loopholes. These are much bigger loopholes than any gun loopholes because these are the gun loopholes. This guy was a gun felon. This case, I mean, Republicans should come back and blow them up, but they won't. This case jujitsu's everything the left is saying. Here is your career criminal who was a gun felon and had a gun to shoot six cops. Because guess what? You're not going to take the guns off the street. But what you can do is take the criminals off the street. Yet these very same vermin, all of them, do you know who's on the Senate Judiciary Committee? The whole cast of characters, Lindsey Gramnesty, um, Schmuck Schumer, or he used to be on it, Dick Durbin, Blumenthal, Hirono, 
Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, they're all on that committee. They're all grabbing guns, right? Violating constitutional rights. Take away guns from people without due process. Well, these are the very people who voted to overturn Reagan's Armed Career Criminal Act on February 15th of last year, a day after the Parkland shooting. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. The Senate Judiciary Committee passed a bill that would have downgraded the mandatory sentencing for those who commit, who carry a gun with a, with a uh, crime of violence or in furtherance of drug trafficking, the most violent people, they would have let out early gun felons, and still a lot of gun felons are let out early under the final First Step Act that they ultimately did pass. They all voted for it. People that were convicted of gun felon felonies that likely had worse rap sheets because they're in the federal system. That's why they're in the federal system, because they've graduated. That's why they're targeted by federal prosecutors, right? People who had due process after due process after ridiculous due process beyond what the Constitution says. Those people you want to let out. But then you want to cast a wide net on constitutional rights on law-abiding citizens without due process. And it's not, not going to stop a single one of these things. Nobody is pushing this narrative. Man, does this piss me off. You know, like I said, we had just, um, just last week in California, Brian Day of KTLA, one of the few good local reporters there, Zachary Castaneda was a gang member. He was arrested for fatal machete stabbing of um, two men at an office and another more people at a gas station, total of four people. The guy had multiple prior felony convictions going back to 2009. But according to Garden Grove Police Chief Tom DeRay, he, he was qualified. He was he was designated as a low level, nonviolent, non-serious offender under a piece of legislation, AB 109, and he was let out into some sort of probation. The guy violated his probation seven times between 2006 and 2018, so he had a massive record, and again, one of them was drug charges, but it's not low level, it's killing a lot of people, plus he did a bunch of other stuff, and those are the people that are targeted. He was not only what is he let out on probation, but he was allowed to violate it seven times and he wasn't locked up at all. And he's and he killed four people by stabbing them. Everyone's like, we have more shootings in America than anywhere else. Well, you know what else we have? We have more stabbings than anywhere else, too, because we have a culture of violence in America like a third world country, even after the reduction from the 80s and 90s, and now it's headed back the other ways, certainly they want to take us back to the 70s and 80s. Well, buddy, I got news for you. You can't have Japan levels of incarceration with South African levels of violence. Okay? It just doesn't work that way. Get to the root of the problem here. And you know, everyone's talking about white supremacism. But the reality is, Maurice Hill is the story every day. People like that, that case where he was charged with murder, but it was acquitted. I'm sure the victim was someone who is black. 
Roughly 8,000 blacks a year die from homicide, and most of them, almost all of them, are not rifles and mass shootings. They're handguns and knives committed by career criminals who should be locked up, but the very people promoting gun control are the same people who are letting these guys out. And it's getting worse and worse. They think it's not enough. And they're getting Trump into this. Folks, you guys need to wake up and join with me. This needs to stop. Soros is doing this in all 50 states. And the Koch brothers, which controls the wretched, phony, Orwellian, perfidious, click-servative, Teletubby movement. I'm trying not to curse here, if, if you've noticed. They join with Soros. This is extremely dangerous. It's happening everywhere. Federal prosecutors who are still sane are warning about this. And Trump intuitively, you could tell from his tweet today, he recognizes it, but there's this cognitive dissonance between policies. I mean, this is the story with Trump. This is the national debate we need to have every day from now until, until next week, next month, I mean, when they, when they come back from Congress. This is the discussion we're not having. This is the discussion we need to have. And still nobody except for Ken Cuccinelli is talking about the two MS-13, well, then I don't know if they're MS-13 guys, but they're Salvadoran illegals that were caught raping multiple times an 11-year-old girl in Montgomery County, Maryland, just after they announced their sanctuary policy that they forbade county officials from ever asking immigration status or giving information to ICE. 100% against the law, AUSC 1324, which prohibits the shielding from detection. You have to ensure they're detected. As we always mention, the most redressable career criminals, the most avoidable career crimes are crimes committed by illegal aliens because at the first sign of trouble, they should be removed under anyone's view of immigration. And yet these guys are able to remain because Republicans will not talk about cases like this. Friends, I have for you, I have for you a brand new case here. I'm going to write about this tomorrow, but you're going to get a sneak peek here. In case you are wondering if there's any floor to the depravity of sanctuary cities, Like, well, Daniel, it's only low level, right? If someone's a child molester, they'll honor an ICE detainer, right? No. This is from the Longmont Times Call, Longmont, Colorado, August 9th. A Longmont man, notice they call him a Longmont man. No, he's a a Mexican man. Um, On probation for sexual assault on a child was detained by ICE on Wednesday. ICE officials on Friday confirmed Roberto Gutierrez Hernandez, 59, was detained and will remain in custody while he undergoes immigration proceedings. Gutierrez Hernandez, a native of Mexico, was convicted by a jury of sexual assault on a child following a trial in April and was sentenced July 15 to 10 years to life and 
of sex offender intensive supervised probation. He was sentenced to 10 years to life of sex offender probation. So, as you know, Boulder, this is in Boulder County. Boulder is a severe sanctuary. They will not share arrest records. They will not share probation records. They will not share, um, they will not share certainly honor ice detainers. And I noticed this and I said, wait a minute, something's very funny. Ice caught him at his home um, three weeks after he was convicted on child sex crimes. So I said, wait a minute. I thought he was just convicted. How was he out? And then I realized we have child sex offenders, illegal alien ones serving zero time. So sometimes they, they, they slip out of it and they plead down. They don't get convicted. He was convicted probation then i asked the next question is how the hell do we have sex offenders on probation in america who are illegal aliens <laughs> by definition if if you have to be monitored get out of the country i mean i wish we could remove all sex offenders but it's natural law you can't deport an american but other countries sex offenders should be deported no republican talks about this and how is it that Local law enforcement is allowed to violate federal law and shield probation records. Probation records are the perfect records for ICE to look upon. Probation is very tough. As we well know, as we see, criminals recidivate. They constantly commit more crimes, the career criminal, criminal people. People on probation, you're going to have to continuously deal with them. Shouldn't we all agree that an illegal alien who's on probation, his probation should be served overseas where he belongs or in mexico and el salvador or whatever where he can't harm any american but there's more to this story there's more to this story i i said to myself wait a minute this guy probably has a career there's something more to this and i got the following information from alethea smock she is the ice um public information officer in Denver that who runs that office of that area of operation. And she sent me information today that fully el elucidates what we're talking about. It turns out there was a prior history. It's worse than you thought. Much worse than you thought. It turns out that this guy, and I'm just trying to get the email here. It turns out this guy, and man, I don't know why I can't pull this up. It's very frustrating. I don't know why it didn't go to my phone here. And I don't have my email out. But um, here we go. ICE lodged a detainer on Roberto Gutierrez Hernandez, 59, a citizen of Mexico, with the Boulder County Jail after Gutierrez Hernandez was arrested on local charges, I don't know yet what those charges are, in March 2017, the jail refused to honor the detainer and released him back into the community to reoffend. Gutierrez was later arrested for sexual assault on a child in November 2017, and ICE lodged another detainer with Boulder County Jail. However, the jail refused to honor the agency's detainer a second time. They refused to honor a detainer on a repeat offender on set child sexual assaults. Then he was convicted again. He was arrested again 
sometime this year for another more child sex assaults. He was convicted on July 15th. And he was still let out, even after the conviction, because they don't serve any time. And ICE nabbed him on August 7th. By the way, he was previously deported in 2000. So he's been here a long time, came back. Well, I'm going to get to that in a minute. DHS was not allowed to put that information out. They could only put it out because I requested it. Otherwise, it wouldn't get out. These people are really children. So what about the children? And like I said, most children that are assaulted by illegals are usually other illegal alien children. And I only say that because the press and the politicians only care about illegal aliens. So what about the children, right? Don't we all care about the children, the illegal alien children? This child would not have been assaulted had we followed immigration law. That's what ICE does for America. And yet they can't even talk about it. And I'm the only one talking about it. There's another wrinkle to this story. On January 15, 2000, Gutierrez was encountered by ICE. And guess what happened? An immigration judge gave him voluntary departure. See, they offer them to voluntarily depart rather than be deported. What that does is it downgrades the charge. So if they're caught coming in again, it's not a 1325 charge or 1326 charge of coming in after being deported. You're not considered like you were deported. So it's less of a charge. But the problem with voluntary departure is it's voluntary. He didn't depart. That's a whole nother loophole I want to talk about in the future, how immigration judges who are dirtbags, and it's a whole nother story. It's a cesspool in DOJ, these administrative judges. 90% of them are leftists who used to work as ACLU type or Maldef America, uh, uh, Immigration Law Center judges, uh, lawyers working on the other half, foxes in the hen house, letting these guys go. When these people have no right to an immigration judge, since 1891, the law always stated that you get you don't you get heard in front of an immigration officer, not an immigration judge. That's nonsense. We need to go back to those days. Loophole after loophole, avoidable crime after avoidable crime, avoidable sex offense at the hands of an illegal alien after another one. Nobody is even talking about this, much less debating policy over this. And again, it all do something, do something. We want to. We, we so badly want to do something, right? This is the most redressable public policy issue. Now, there's more to this Colorado story I want to talk about at another time. But I want to wrap this up with a Politico article. This liberal professor, John Pfaff, professor of law at Fordham University of Law, what Democrats get wrong about prison reform. See, the big lie that Republicans entreat us to that have signed on to this criminal justice reform, like these schmucks at the Texas Public Policy Foundation funded by the, the Kochs, the big lie is that we're spending a bunch of money and counterintuitively making people worse off by taking a bunch of nonviolent, low-level, first-time offenders and filling the prisons with them. Okay, that's what they're saying. We have an over-incarceration problem because of it. And like I've said over and over again, 
You could let out every drug trafficker from prison. And most of those are extremely violent. But let's see the point for a minute. If we only solve a fraction what the FBI calls cleared cases, we only clear um, less than uh, like half of the murder cases, well under half of the rape, robbery, and aggravated assault cases in this country. And by the way, a cleared case is just, for example, if some person wound up being caught and the case was disposed of in court, you had a disposition. So many of those that are counted as cleared were never really served time or they served minimal time or there were multiple assailants. So like in this case, this guy Maurice Hill, he was clear from the crime. It could be other people in that murder were arrested. It goes by the victim. The case was cleared. We solved it. We arrested someone for it. But you could have another guy who participated and was let go. That's still counted as a clear case. So I added that up, and it's something like 500,000 reoccurring every year just of the four incontrovertible violent crime categories that are completely uncleared. God knows how many are barely sentenced and punished for it. The bottom line is we have a violent crime problem. Sometimes you're going to find honest liberals that say, wait a minute, you conservatives, conservatives, who are trying to buy off your base and sell them a good a sack of goods that, oh, we're going to solve this problem of over-incarceration by getting out nonviolent people. Dude, there are no nonviolent people. And that's why he said, drug crime is not what's driving the high prison population. Very clearly. It's crimes of violence, and this omission has consequences. It means that any solution is unlikely to achieve its intended goal, and in the meantime, society will continue to suffer long-term damage, yada yada. And basically, in state prisons which hold nearly 90% of the nation's 1.5 million prisoners, almost 95% of inmates serving long sentences have been convicted of serious violence, not drugs. And then he finally notes, where is this? And this, this is a whole article that you need to see. If we freed everyone in prison tomorrow, except the 25% who are there for murder, manslaughter, or sexual assault, holy smokes, Murder, manslaughter, or sexual assault. He's not even including aggravated assault and armed robbery. We'd still have an incarceration rate higher than that of almost every European country. So don't tell me, oh, what distinguishes us from Europe is gun laws. Or what distinguishes us from Europe is that we're locking up too many people. What distinguishes us is that we have a hell of a culture of violent crime that is not properly deterred. That is the issue that needs to be discussed. And folks, that's just the way it is. Email me at dharowitz at blazemedia.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Conservative Review. Go to conservativereview.com to see all of our print articles as well. This is the truth. Welcome 
to the one and only independent conservative revolution. God bless y'all.